It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring special guest star, Mr. Bobby Osinski. Yeah, baby. Woo! And hopefully we've got audio this time. Can we tell yet from our fans in the chat room? Do we have audio? Oh, it's okay. Yay, yeah. Yay. All right. Good. Sorry about that, you guys. That's what I get for upgrading my software. Every single time I upgrade software, that's a problem. So you missed the part about me taking a Quaalude before the show. I wanted to do something exciting this week. Now, actually, it's just severe jet lag. So if I slur my speech, it's not anything exciting. It's just I'm stupid from flying way too much over the weekend. Um, Anyway, I'm really excited to have Bobby here. Uh, we've become friends recently. I've known about him for a very long time. Um, he is an author of 23 books, but I should probably read his bio because he's an engineer, he's a producer, he's a lecturer, he's a teacher. Um, he's one of the first people to delve into surround sound. Do you know Tommy Dowd once said to me in a control room, why do you need four speakers for a quad? We only have two ears. So that's a whole other discussion we'll get into. Oh, that's a rabbit hole we can go down for yes. sure. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You and I really haven't talked audio yet. Um, anyway, he, he's uh, co-founded the industry-leading company Surround Associates, eventually worked on over 100 surround projects and DVD productions for a variety of legendary superstar acts, including The Who, Willie Nelson, Neil Young, Iron Maiden, The Ramones in Chicago, among many others, 23 best-selling books, uh, as I mentioned before, um, and the three biggies are Mixing Engineer's Handbook, which has been around forever, the Recording Engineer's Handbook, uh, Music 4.0, a survival guide for making music in the internet age, and gee, does Bobby have a new one? I do. <laughs> it just came out. I do. <laughs> The Music Business, I can't read it, uh, Music Business Advice Book. Yeah. That should be about this thick, Bobby. Um, and hold up the book that is going to be the, the root of all things on this show today, the Social Media Promotion for Musicians book, um, which is a subject that I feel like we haven't spent enough time on. So right after I say hello to all of our friends in the chat room, we're going to get into social media. So hello, Gloria, Robert, Mojo, Marion, Steven Spinner, Chris Jones, Antonio Borges, um, did I say I did say Mojo already. Ed Busacker, Edmund Red. Um, wow, how are you, buddy? What time? You live in Dubai, right? What time is it there now? Um, Bob Gunnerfeld, Daryl Berman, Linda Cullum, Peter Rayhill, uh, Kelly Howie. Anyway, welcome to you all. And now let's talk about social media because one of the things that I've discovered over the years is that. Musicians, creative people in general, whether they're visual artists uh, or musicians, that they hate to promote themselves. They are so loath to sell themselves or their music. And for those who venture into social media, I feel like they don't really do a good job of it. They don't, you know, they read a few pages of a book, they read a little advice online, and then they, they set up a Facebook page and they set up a Twitter account. And for about two weeks to four weeks, they get very enthusiastic and nothing happens and mm -hmm. they put their tail between their legs and they go home. Uh, is that your experience uh, as well, that you see too many people just not doing it well enough and long enough? Well, I think 
the whole strategy around it, or lack of strategy, is the problem, Michael. What ends up happening is people think just because they're using social media that it's the same as promotion, and it's not. So what I try to show people is that you have to go into social media with a strategy, and that strategy is how do you promote yourself? Even if you don't like talking about yourself, there are ways to do it where you're informing people. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not bragging. It's, it's informing people what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it, and that usually works really well. So promotion is distinctly different from just using, and that's the the big part that I try to tell people. Just, just because you're there, it doesn't social mean, media. Yeah, right. just because you're using social media doesn't necessarily mean that you're using it in a way that's going to help you career-wise. One of the things I want to try to do today, um, and I may have to rely on you to remember this because I'm so brain dead today, but um, our audience is made up of composers who do instrumental stuff for television and film, um, songwriters and artists. So it's almost like different disciplines. And one of the questions I've gotten over the years is, well, how do I use social media um, for me as a composer? So um, just remember that when we touch on these various things, uh, which I've largely called from the table of contents of his book, um, if we can point out, you know, this would work well for somebody that is promoting him or herself as an artist that, are, you know, you're doing live gigs, this one would work well also for a composer or it wouldn't, you know, and mm-hmm. so on. Um, so you talked about strategy. Why is it that they need a strategy? Um, what you know what define okay. a strategy here's here's a strategy basically many people think that if they're on facebook and they have a facebook page or they're on twitter or instagram or whatever that's enough that's their social presence but the fact of the matter is everybody needs a website yes and what social media does is it points to that website if you're doing it well why do you need a website well it's the only thing you can truly control. You can control the look and the feel. And as we've seen with other social networks, MySpace is the one that comes to mind, and Facebook too, they change it all the time. Mm-hmm. And when they change it, that means whatever you're doing changes with it, and it may not be to your liking. Probably won't be. Probably won't be. And we've seen, for instance, with MySpace, after Justin Timberlake took over, after about a year, what ended up happening was it was starting to grow again, surprisingly enough. And then one morning, one Monday morning, everyone woke up and found out that their followings were zero. Even Justin's was zero. He went from two million to nothing overnight. And everyone started again at, at uh, square zero. So, in fact, the only thing that you can really control is your website. But social media is important because it can point people there. And your website has all the important things that you need to let people, journalists, for instance, bloggers, uh, anybody that's going to write about you, everything should be there for them. All of the tools should be there. Uh, Links to videos, links to songs, all that stuff. It's a good place. It's a repository of all your information. So let's start there and work backwards. Let's talk about what makes a good website and this is a perfect time to talk about what might make a good website for a performing artist versus a tv composer that does instrumentals what are the key elements that absolutely have to be there well one of the things that i'm 
always shocked when I see this or don't see it, is there's no press site, and press means either the press that you received or the information for the press. Vitally important. The second thing would be a contact page. How do you get in contact with me to book me to buy my material, to license my material, all that stuff? It has to be easy and it has to be such that it's as soon as you log on or as soon as you, you go to someone's site, it's there. You know right. where it is and you can get to them. It's I'm always, be obvious. I'm always shocked when, when I don't see that, where I don't find it. If you're an artist, you'd want things like... Um, uh, thing, uh, stage plots, for instance, are really important. Uh, if someone's going to book you, who's your agent if you have one, or management, or any of those things. You just want to make it easy for people to contact you. And even if you don't have a, a, an agent, you should still have something that says, for booking, contact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Even if it's info at bobbyosinski.com, yeah. they've got to have something to reach out to you because they can't do it by osmosis. Things like... Uh, pictures, both uh, color black and white, uh, high res, low res, things like that, logos, mm -hmm. uh, posters. If if you, you want a street team to poster somewhere for you, then you put them there. There's all sorts of reasons why you want to do this and, and make it easy for them. And as, let's look at the same thing through the lens of I'm a, uh, an instrumental composer and I'm pitching my stuff mostly to music libraries, occasional music supervisor, and most of my stuff is suitable for um, reality TV. Um, I'm thinking if somebody comes to that website, uh, I'm a music supervisor, I'm a library owner, I want to be convinced that you're good enough that I should reach out to you and I should sign your stuff. So I'm guessing logos of shows they've been on or maybe some sort of laundry list of things that they've been on. It's all to convince credibility builders, right? Yeah, uh, social authorities, they would call it. Right. If they like me, you will like me too. Yeah, yeah. It's that and also just the fact that you want, you want people to know what your brand is. So that's another big part in, in the book. It's branding. It doesn't matter what you do in the music business. You have a brand. So you have to know how to develop that, uh, create it if you have to, and then develop it and take it wherever you need to take it. But that's so important that uh, people understand who you are and what you do. Let's talk about branding for a minute because that, that, uh, we're taking it a step further back now than the website. Um, let's say that somebody's name is Timothy Reardon and Timothy's from some hick town like, and I'm just kidding because Bree is from there, Lafayette, Indiana, as, <laughs> as is Mojo. Not a hick town, it's a lovely city, really it is. Um, but you know, you're out in the middle of the flyover states um, and your name's Timothy Reardon, and you're not famous for anything. So how do you build a brand for Timothy Reardon, TV composer, let's say? Um, where do you start with that? Well, let's go to the basics. Okay. The things that you need to do first off are the things that people overlook, and that's you have to select A, a name that you're com comfortable with. So Timothy, if he likes being called Timothy, that's the way he should he should brand himself, but if he likes being Tim or Timmy or Rock or right. any any kind of a nickname, that's what he should go and stick with, with one and stick with it. But something that you feel good with. Now, I'll give you a personal example of this. For a long period of time, I was Bob Osinski, and 
it never felt right to me, and yet everybody was calling me Bobby. So after right. a while, it just dawned on me, oh, wait a second, that's who I am. And when that <laughs> happened, I felt better. I really felt better about everything, and and I, I can't say that's one of the reasons why everything took off for me, but I did feel better about myself and about things. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to pick a color that you like and stick with it. If color should go everywhere. It should go on your profile photo, uh, backgrounds uh, for social media. There we go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it should... It should be on business cards. It should be on your website, the background on your website. It should be everywhere. So you got to pick a color or two. Sometimes you need a contrasting Do color. Do you get into the psychology of colors, how blue is calming and yellow is something else and red it could be danger or passion? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, there's, there is a whole psychological factor about yeah. that. But the basic thing is you have to pick something that you like rather than something that's and don't change it 30 days yeah, or even yeah, a year right. later. you got to stick with it. And then number three is pick a font and stick with it. And that font should be everywhere. So the font for your name is part of your, it's part of your logo, but it's part of your brand. So these are really simple things that you can do right away that many people just kind of overlook. And then they wonder, well, why I don't have a brand? Well, yeah, you didn't start with the basics. Uh, and let's go to font for a minute because yeah. I'm passionate about fonts. Uh, it's actually in the company handbook that everybody here should use um, Times New Roman 12 point mm -hmm. because it's the most readable font, mm -hmm. most readable size, and I want everything that my staff does to be readable to ourselves and others. So many musician websites that I go to have their names, you know, like calligraphy, and, and you need a you know, a magnifying glass and a psychologist to, to understand what the hell it says. Yeah. Are, are you a fan of nice, clean, simple fonts for the reason, you know, the readability factor? If they can't read it, they don't know who you are. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really super important. I mean, it's okay if you use some sort of a script, but it better be readable yeah. or it's defeating a purpose. But it looks so artistic. Yeah, well... That defeats the purpose. All right, so um, branding. We talked about the basics of branding yeah. and the website. Uh, the other day, uh, a, a friend of mine who is a pretty big-time film composer and TV, um, but uh, this person sent me a link to uh, a website and said, check out my new website. And it's gorgeous. The photography is great. The fonts are great. Everything about it says professional. But when I got there, the first thing that struck me is it doesn't tell me what I'm supposed to do mm. when I get there. Do you want me to click on something to hire you as a composer? Do you want me to be impressed by your credentials? It's just a photograph sitting in front of an SSL or a Neve um, with this person. And it looks very pro, but it did tell me to take an action. So what might these folks do to inspire the visitors to their website what do they want them to do well there's a call to action and the call to action is on so many levels it's something you use you have to tell people what you want yeah so i mean that's really important and and i mean we know from sending out emails it's the same thing you have to instruct people and say look this is if you want to do this you have to do this yeah otherwise you know they'll scratch their head and no one will be happy so it's the same thing with the website. You have to be clear. Uh, generally, this comes from someone who is a, a really good website constructionist. 
and not necessarily a designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and designers sometimes will, will be so concerned with all of the things that are are artistic and kind of forget the things that are important. So I see really, that all yeah, the time. Yeah, me too. You have to have both. It's so important that you. Uh, I would forego the artsy fartsy stuff and just go for simplicity mm-hmm. if when it, you know if push comes to shove so in fact uh, it does what it's supposed to do and that's engage your visitors that's what we're trying to do engagement so now we've got and obviously we're doing truncated versions of all this stuff because we've only got 90 minutes uh, actually not even 90 um, so once they've got the website built and they've determined what their brand is and what they the actions they want their visitors to take, um, now let's talk about the social media strategy to get the visitors to go to the website. Well, it's all based on links. You have to every time you post on social media. Uh, here's okay. Let's go back for a second. Okay. One of the things that I've really been passionate about is what you should say on social media. And for the longest time, most of the gurus would say, you have to engage with everybody. You have to be personal. You have to let them into your life. And I've always been just the opposite. I've always said, no, you have to be professional in what you do. You need a professional presentation. Mm. That way you'll stay out of trouble. And as we've seen so many times with sports figures, politicians, celebrities, (laughs) that it's really easy to get into trouble with something that's personal and maybe too personal or or too uh controversial yeah so the best way and look i think you should be personal but again there are limitations on this if you're going to do it well so here's what i suggest in order to keep it promotional you talk about the project you just worked on or the song you just worked on or the people you just work with or the people or song or project that you're working on now, or the one you're going to be working on. And you keep it to those three things plus personal milestones, because personal milestones are not controversial at all. And they're doing what I mentioned before. Everything we're trying to do is inform our followers, inform our friends. We're not trying to boast. We're not trying to we're not trying to go outside the norms that you might think it would turn people off what we're trying to do is just be informational this is what just happened this is what's going to happen this is what's happening now so what about um, let's take two examples one would be I've got a show coming up on August 31st at the boom boom room Um, people will post about that uh, not frequently enough is my observation Uh, and they don't tell people why the show is going to be special. Why would you want to get off your butt, off your couch, and, and get in your car and come to my show at the Boom Boom Room? So that's one thing. And the other would be, um, going back to a look at a composer now, um, who's isolated, not going out and doing a public show. But if they had something on um, a big episode of TV coming up, I... I I would have the instinct to tell my friends and family and uh, fans, whatever, um, 
I've got something in, in Game of Thrones. I guess that's not a good example because it's all scored, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. And, and talk about it before it happens and then after it happens, uh, if you can grab the show's logo or the network's logo and post that. Why don't people do this stuff? Because I, I think that they're embarrassed, that they feel like, oh, I'm putting myself so out front, but yet they want people to buy their music. They want people to hire them, but yet they won't tell them what's going on. Well, if you don't do it, then you hire a publicist who would do the same thing. This is costing you no money. But that's right. that's the first thing a publicist would say. Would say, okay, what have you just done? What do you have coming up? Yeah. A and go and promote it. That's And they're going to charge you thousands of dollars yeah. a month. You can do it yourself yep. and, and do the same thing. Again, we're talking promotion. The other thing about promotion is details are important, especially to followers. And sometimes it could be things that are very mundane to you. Example would be, um, if you're a guitar player, sometimes just talking about the strings that you use. Mm -hmm. Mundane to a lot of people, to your followers, it might be gold. Uh, if you're a composer, uh, what string library did, did you just use? Something that, like that's that. That's a great example. Uh, things, again, that are mundane to you might not be to your followers. So you have to keep that in mind. What would people like that you know is in the way of trivia now again this is not boasting this is just it's informational so we're trying to stay informational yeah. on this. this is the whole idea behind it um, there was something that I highlighted uh, oh relying on too many sites um, people either don't do enough or they do too much they spread themselves too thin and they don't have a focus Talk to me about them relying on too many sites. Um, what can they do to avoid that and which ones should they concentrate on? There's only so many hours in the day. In order to do this well, you have to limit your exposure, so to speak. And let's assume that the people we're talking to have a day job. Probably many of them have a family and, and music is a side hustle that they want to make their main hustle. Yeah. So going on that premise. How do they allocate their time? So that being said, you can't be everywhere, and you probably don't want to be. The reason why is you're probably really good at, at one, and, and you take to one social platform or another. If you feel really comfortable on Instagram, or Twitter, or Facebook, or YouTube, that's what you concentrate on first. I feel really good about this. I think I can do it. And you concentrate, it, concentrate on it until you're so good at it that you feel you can add a second platform. Mm -hmm. Then you add the second one and you do the same thing. It's best to be really good at one or two or three platforms. I think that three is probably the maximum that you can do and do well. Uh, there are ways that you can actually have more and you can post, but you can't pay attention to them all. That's the real problem. Now, for instance, there are lots of tools out there that allow you to post to all platforms at once. Mm -hmm. I use some of them actually, and it works. The problem is, again, when you have 10 people at, coming at you th from this platform and 100 people coming at you this way and 20 people coming at you this way, that takes a lot of time to engage people. You're better off if they're just coming from one place, they're talking about one thing that you're doing, and it's just so much easier. Um, Again, at a certain point, you can go from that one platform to a second one, and maybe even a third one, but boy, it's hard to go beyond that.
and do it well. Do you find that there's one that works better for musicians than the others? If you had to pick one, your desert island platform. Right now, Instagram tends to do better than any than any of the rest of them, at least at the moment. I mean, this changes. How often do you see these changes? Um, quarterly, annually? I would say it's every year to 18 months, things seem to cycle. Uh, we're in the Instagram cycle and it's very effective for musicians. I think all the studies have found that there are more people on there that are music oriented hmm. than just about any platform. Now, that being said, if you want the most reach, you go to Facebook because it's still the biggest. If you're doing videos and you really like videos and they're, they're working well for you, then you go to YouTube. Although now you can even go to Facebook on that too. And that's very effective. One of the reasons why it's videos are effective on Facebook is your reach is far better. And anybody that has been on Facebook for a while knows that if you have a hundred followers, anything that you post, you'll get to two of them. It's mm -hmm. about 2% unless you actually pay for advertising which I found effective and that's another conversation. That being said, video, at first they're pushing video so you're getting 20, 25% to most of your people. And now it's changed, now it's live video. They're really into Facebook Live. So now it's, the hierarchy is Facebook Live gets to most people, then the next would be just Facebook videos and then of course Facebook posts, or I should say, promoted posts or Facebook advertising, and then finally is organic posts. Right. So, but again, the potential reach is amazing on it. If if you know how to advertise, you can really do well on it. That being said, it costs money, so. Uh, and that's a whole show. I mean, yeah. honestly, we're just starting to the process of setting up um, Facebook advertising for taxi and I remember for years, um, oh gosh, who, who's the woman that's social media red hair? Um, Ariel, hi. Ariel, yeah. Um, I've known her for a very long time. She's spoken at the road rally and something she said on a panel, I had Ariel and Derek Sivers on a panel together at the road rally many years ago, probably eight or 10 years ago. And Ariel said, people don't go on social media to buy stuff. So don't try and sell them anything. But I think that social media has morphed so much over the years that that is not true anymore. And, and that supports what you said about the change, you know, cyclical changes every, I think that people have become conditioned that uh, people are selling to them on social. They may not go there for that, but they're conditioned to accept it now. Well, Facebook actually makes it easy to do that as, as well. At one point in time, uh, it wasn't easy. And because it wasn't easy, it was difficult to sell to people. And now, in fact, it's it's changed. They they've encouraged that because it's more advertising revenue for them. Right. But they've made it easy to do so. Yeah. Again, everything changes in social media. What you know today might not be relevant tomorrow. It seems like an over overwhelming amount of work to stay on top of all this stuff for a musician again I hate to use the overused phrase side hustle but it is for a lot of people mm -hmm. they've got to put food on the table and pay their mortgage and support the, their family if they have one um, and it seems daunting to do all this stuff I mean I honestly I'm super impressed by the book which I should hold up again there it is social media promotion for musicians um, 
I mean, looking through, and honestly, I haven't read the book because I was out of town, um, but I did look at the table of contents and I did read some sample chapters before I left on my trip. And any one of the chapters is work. And, and I mean that in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, no. gee, why can't I just click a few things and make it all magically happen? No, you know, you got to learn the strategies and do the work to make it happen. But I, it's not an understatement to say everything you need is in that book. Um, you did a really comprehensive job, and it's written in a form that sounds like you and I talking. It, yeah. it doesn't sound like some lofty jerk um, looking down on people like, oh, you guys don't know anything. It sounds like you're a friend trying to help them out. Oh, thank you, Michael. So, yeah, really good job on now, the way across. Now, that, that being said, social media changes in a flash. So this is a new version. It just well, came out maybe six months ago, but there are things already that are wow. outdated. It does change that quickly. Now, is it severely outdated? No. What ends up happening is Facebook, for instance, will change, uh, let's see, a menu used to be here, and now it's over here, and things like that. So you look at some of the examples, and it may be different. But right. the general strategy, that that's still the same. Um, and something we haven't touched on yet that I'm a huge fan of is the mailing list and people will say gee taxi i wish you sent me less emails <laughs> every day because we send out um, at least one email a day sometimes two or three but that's because the information we're getting uh, comes in, you know if, yeah. if we get a listing uh, a request for christmas music for a tv commercial that pays forty thousand bucks i don't think people want to know about it tomorrow when it's due the day after tomorrow yeah, yeah. so we have to send it out we could put it on social media that would be efficient, but it's really not efficient because only 2% of the people are gonna see it. Where we know that uh, you know we get 25 to 30% of our members will see it if we send it out an email. So let's talk about email. Do you find it to be effective and where is it in the hierarchy of efficacy? That was my big word for the day right there. Uh, yes, very effective, just like most other people that have mailing lists. Uh, that being said, you do straddle the line of how much is too many right story though when i first started in this business i took a course from uh, i can't think of his name right now but what color hair did he have was uh, it red uh, like arrows no 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 <laughs> uh, anyway i went to one of his live conventions for one what a conference and the first thing he said when he got on stage was how many people have gotten 100 emails from me? Everybody put their hand up. How many people have gotten 500 emails? Most people put their hands up. How many people have gotten 1,000 emails? And a few people put their hand up. And basically he said was, look, the more emails we send out, the more effective it is. Even though people may not like it and some people may not like it, it's much more effective. And, and we found that the more, now of course, this is he was trying to sell people stuff and he said the more we send the more we sell mm -hmm. that being said i've never been comfortable with doing that and i tried to limit the what i send out and how i send it out and what the content is mm -hmm. that's me and you do the same thing because what you're doing is timely so you have to send it out because the content matters. The, the content matters. Yeah, I'm not sending out matters. emails talking about where I went on my vacation yeah, or yeah. the fact that our cat died. Um, yeah. it, it's all, you know what? The, the number one question in marketing that I, I 
learned this many, many years ago, and I think about it every time I write anything is the reader is asking what's in it for me, yeah, whether sure. they realize it or not. So if an email leaves taxi and the person on the other end can't answer the question, what's in it for them, then it won't go out. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that has a lot for them that has to go out. Yeah. So sorry about that. People say, well, why don't you filter them so that people that do country music only get the country requests? Well, that's because we have country instrumentals. So do we now include them on the instrumental list or the country song list? It gets far too complicated because we wish we could do that. But, but then, you, again, you know people that straddle gen uh, genres yeah. that are really good at multiple genres. Right. And, and an opportunity could show up for um, country punk. Yeah, right, right. Do we put it under punk? Do we put it under country? Do we put it under both? And then it looks like we're stuffing listings, trying to make it look like we've got more. So yeah. we've been through all these processes, uh, you know, thought processes, and really the best, most effective way for us to communicate with those guys, our members, yeah. is email on a very regular basis, which... I feel bad about but we haven't come up with a better solution. So what's the frequency that you would suggest for, um, let's make a hypothetical uh, person that is a singer-songwriter that plays one or two gigs a month. Um, they want to promote their gigs. They want to sell their CD that they pressed up 500 copies at Disc Makers. What's the frequency that they should send out emails and Let's talk about how that relates to their social media stuff as well. Okay, let's take the special events out. Special event would be a, a milestone, a new release, for instance, a new video, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we'll take out um, uh, gigs, announcing gigs. Every artist should, and, and I would say everybody that's in this business should have some sort of a newsletter that goes out. The frequency should be anywhere between four months or four, uh, four weeks and three months. Okay. And the less, I, for many of us, it's like, well, I didn't do that much in a month that's, that I feel people should know about. I'm, so, you know, you do it in, I'm in three months. I'm not that exciting. <laughs> and what I've found is uh, there's a lot of people that I'm on their mailing list. I don't know how I got there, but I will get their, their email their newsletter and I'll go wow that's fantastic I, I had no idea that they were doing that it, it and then I'll find they'll do it for three four five times and then they'll stop and I'll go well why do they stop because this is effective I don't know these people but I'm still looking at it it's it, it's interesting to me so I think that you it, it's just like everything in, in the social media in general once you start doing it, you have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing it like like this. You, yeah. you know when you're going to do it at 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you can't be early, late. It has to be at 4 o'clock in order to be effective for everybody. So you guys know to be here. Right. Yes, it's the same thing with, with just about anything on social media. If you're going to do it, you do it, and you make it timely. So, for instance, posts. If you're going to post something... Uh, and you're going to do it in such a fashion that you want people to get the most people engaged, then you do it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Every day, every week, every three times a week, whatever it might be. Same with the newsletter. You make sure that it goes out every Tuesday, every third month, if that's what you decide. So that's the first thing. You, you do it in a timely fashion. 
that's consistent. When it comes to other events, I think you should definitely uh, post whenever there's something that's a milestone. So the milestone would be there's a new release, uh, maybe there's a new video. And it's not just a video that you did on your iPhone, you know, backstage someplace. This would be a, uh, a new video that you did, a music video, you know, produced music video that, that's kind of special. Then you'd certainly make that a milestone event and you'd post about it. When it comes to gigs, there's a definite strategy in how to do this. People don't, don't do this enough. As you say, they'll, they'll post something and sometimes it'll be the day of or the day before and that'll be it. And that's not enough. These days, especially, people need advanced warning mm -hmm. so they can plan things. So I would say that you basically do something two weeks out, you do it a week, you do it three days, you do it two days, one day, and the day of. You think it's too much, maybe, for some people, but on the other hand, if someone is planning on attending or even just thinking about it, that's another reason for them to think about it when they get it. And it's another reason so they don't forget because people, yeah, how many yeah. times does it happen when you want to go see something and you say, oh, yeah, definitely want to do that. And then you find out it happens. So, yeah. I forgot. Um, honestly, Bria had a show a couple of months ago that I fully intended to go to. Mm -hmm. And because it was on a weekend, uh, I don't check my, I, I don't get emails on my phone on purpose because I couldn't handle it. I don't fire. do that either. Yeah, it's, I'd be nuts. Yeah. Um, but I forgot about the gig. I fully intended on going. Yeah. We advertise taxi. We send out an email three hours before, or taxi TV. We do it on the Sunday before. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's tomorrow mm -hmm. coming up. And then we do it about three hours before the show mm -hmm. because you want people to be reminded shortly before not 10 minutes before but enough time where they go i shouldn't miss that today yeah, yeah and they don't blow it so that's important again what ends up happening with mailing lists and, and you probably went through this i'm sure as i did in the beginning when you're building your list you're thinking i don't want to lose anybody i don't want to alienate anybody but the fact of the matter is there are certain people that are going to drop off and if they and they're going to be upset with you whether you send one email or you send 10. right and I've found that I'm sure you probably have too. The people who stick with you are the people that you want to have sticking with yeah, you. It yeah. just comes down to that. Yeah, so you have to get that mentality out of your mind and say, I'm, I, now, obviously, it has to be relevant. Yeah. And, and you know this as well. You, if you send good information, people don't mind getting it. They don't mind opening and they don't mind reading. But this all goes back to what I started talking about at the very top of the show, which is the, the psychological the fear that people have of I, I want people to like me am I going to offend them if I send too many yeah. don't give a damn yeah. because the people that you want to build that relationship with that uh, enjoy your content and, and value it will stick with you yeah absolutely so you, you know speaking yeah. of newsletters I get a newsletter that I absolutely love it's from uh, Airshow Mastering in Boulder Colorado right so airshows in Boulder, it's not exactly a big media center, but they really have a nice client list. They do a lot of Americana stuff. They do a lot of restoration projects like the Grateful Dead catalog, things like that. 
How do I know this? Their newsletter. It comes out, I would say, once every 60 days. But I look at this and I go, wow, you had three Grammy nominations that you worked on? Wow. wow. So even, and, and I know those guys, but I don't see them. I see them once a year at a trade show, maybe. Yeah. So this is a way for me to keep up with what they're doing. And I don't mind getting that at all. As a matter of fact, if I don't get it, it's like, hey, what happened? So, you know, again, you have to look at it like that because it you're providing information to people who want that information. Um, let's talk about subject lines, going back to email <laughs> for a second. Um, subject lines are, are everything. Um, I, I learned the craft of writing headlines from some of the old masters of marketing because I passionately read their books mm. starting in 1994. And it translated really well into writing subject lines. And I actually use a place when I'm crafting a subject line um, for length of the subject line, uh, there's a place on my computer on the screen where I know that if I've gone past that marker that it's too long now. And then, of course, I had to shorten it because 55% of our readers are seeing their emails on that dude. And so literally every letter counts. Yeah. Um, do you have any sage advice for people when crafting subject lines for promoting themselves as musicians? Well, I think 55 characters is what they, they suggest is the max. Okay. Right? Is that what you've heard? Uh, I just do it by the thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yes, I, I've heard character numbers mentioned, and I long ago forgot that number, but I just do it. Uh, and, and honestly, I craft a lot of my subject lines. Uh, using AOL because there's a marker on the page that I yeah. used 20 years ago and it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had somebody who was a, a really great marketer. The advice he gave me was if he talked about death and violence, he always got a rise out of people. And the death would be uh, something like... Uh, uh, you're going to kill them with this information. You're going to kill them if you open this. You know, this is, you know, something like that, where it's not obvious you're going to die. It's like, it's killer information. But you could overuse that. You, I mean, you could. Can't, and, you can't use that in every email. And, and frankly, I have a hard time doing that. I, I, I think about it every time I sit down to craft an email, and, and it's like, okay, it's just not going to work for me. You know, honestly... Uh, the only advice is that I know of, and, and you can probably teach me some things on this because I haven't done as much research as you have, I guess. Uh, what I've found is I try to keep it short. I try to keep it to the point. Uh, I try to keep it interesting so people will open. Now, what's interesting, that's... Well, that you got to know your yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, here's a good example of what we have found that works really well. Um we know that our members and musicians in general, everybody's got a love song. Hmm. So while some people might craft a subject line that says um, modern adult contemporary love songs needed, I'll start out with love songs needed hyphen adult contemporary. Yeah. It's all a matter of the, because the, the English speaking eye is trained to start left and move right. If we were in Focus Israel, word first. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, and what is um, heartbreak? That's another one that gets, everybody's got a heartbreak song. So leading with that focus word really makes a difference. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny when I do blogs, I post uh, two blogs every day, weekday. 
and there's a little tool utility that's called Yoast Y O A S T, and Yoast kind of helps you craft your blog so you get the most um, the most uh, um, interaction with people engagement. And one of the things that it always hits you on is what is the focus word? You hit the focus word, and then it will say, "You didn't say this in the first paragraph, or you didn't say this in your title." Mm-hmm. You have to put it in your title, and then if you don't put it in the first, make that focus word first, then it flags you again. Say it's not first. It's difficult to do that though, without sounding yeah. like you're doing it. Yes, right. But that's part of the art form and yeah. part of the craft. It's like learning how to write good songs. Be honest. My my advice to myself in everything I do is always be honest. There, I call it positive manipulation. If you can learn to take that focus word and make it obvious and well-placed, but you're doing it with honesty and integrity, everybody wins. Yeah. They're getting what they want. They're finding out what it is you're talking about right away and, and in a very direct way. You're not doing anything that's manipulate. you know. Manipulation has a bad connotation and it shouldn't. <laughs> you know? You no, know, no, I, you're right, you're right. It's, Deep thinking. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should mention that. Um, one of the most effective emails that I send out, and, and these are the people that sign up for my 101 Mixing Tricks list. I, uh, it's um, my cats. My cats love to dance when I play. And people look at this and they think, cats dancing, what, what the hell is this about? And they open it up. And really what it is is when I was, or my cats love to dance when I mix. And I had a cat that I'd start a mix and she'd come in and she'd roll around in the console and, <laughs> and you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So, you know, I wrote a little post about her. And, and then, of course, it's what they would call a, um, a Seinfeld post. You know about that? No. Then? I want to hear about it. Posts about nothing. And so... You do a number of posts, and, and they suggest three of them that uh, seemingly are about nothing. In this case, my cats love to dance. But eventually you get to the point. You, you talk about, in this case, the cats, and then you get to the point you're trying to make. And, and the point would be, you know, you probably want your cats to dance too, so maybe you would like my 101 Mixing Tricks course. Right. So, so it's a curiosity-driven headline yes. that delivers the content they want. Yes, right. And right. it all ties together. So it's positive manipulation. There's nothing fake it, about it. And, and that's exactly my point, though. It's, uh, it's the headline that was, that's been very effective for me, mm-hmm. very effective. So it just goes to show you that sometimes um, Absolutely. you can't be sure. Um, I, I did one of those years ago. I fly remote control airplanes and drones and stuff on weekends. And... Uh, I'd just gotten a brand new one and I crashed it on its maiden flight. And the headline I sent out was Taxi CEO Crashes Plane. (laughs) Everybody opened that one. Uh, And I talked about, and where I went with it was, this is what I'm passionate about. This is my hobby, this is what I do on weekends, but you know what? I crashed that plane because I didn't do the checklist before I started. Yeah. So when you complete a song, do you go through a checklist? Perfect. Tied it all together. Perfect, yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Twitter. Uh, I am falling out of love with Twitter, largely because of politics. And, and um, uh, 
there's there's just so much acrimony out there yeah. and you know giving everybody a soapbox on one hand is awesome on the other hand it sucks and, and it it can really ruin your day and i find it laborious but yet i look at the tool that twitter is and go used correctly this has so much potential but i think that the platform is losing its level of efficacy because there is just so much animus acrimony and just bs in general mm. are, are less people using it and is it becoming maybe the least effective platform for musicians yeah i would say there definitely it's plateaued i, I read something recently where they had a, a little bit of a bump but it, it's plateaued and i think so many people feel like you the only people that it seems to be really effective for or politic <laughs> when i say that <laughs> I mean, if they do it well, politicians, celebrities, sports figures. And in other words, celebrities of all types, uh, they tend to do very well with it. But that being said, uh, the average person is having a harder and harder time getting through. I use it as a broadcast medium. I, I, as I just said before, there are only so many platforms that you can work on. Right. And for me, it was my third or fourth least important platform. So I send tweets out every day. I send four of them out every day. Wow. But I don't engage with people. So it's like, the, you know, and they're about my blog. They're, they're announcements. This is the right, blog you're title. driving them to something. I'm driving them to something, but I'm not in, engaging. And that seemed to work because after a while, people understood that that's what they're getting from me. And I'm not going to engage them. And there are other places. If they want to get to me, you, you can in, in lots of other places. So it's actually worked out okay. How do you find the time to do all this stuff? The first hour to sometimes two hours of my day is social media. Mm -hmm. But when I say social media, part of that is writing blogs. So I, the, the majority you do of that. two blogs a day? Two blogs a day, yeah. Seven days a week or five? Five days a week. Um, how long does it take you to write a blog typically? 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, and how many words, about 300? Three, four, five. Okay. If I do it for Forbes, it's about seven fifty, and that that'll take me two hours to do that, two or maybe three. And do you find yourself? Um, and this is just, you guys are just hanging out watching us talking yeah. at this point. But I find myself for something important like that, I will, uh, you know, go through it three, four, five times um, for something really important like that. Where if it's something less formal uh, that I'm sending out to a a group of musicians that I feel are, are friends, if you will. Um, I'll check it twice. Uh, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. I have a writing method that I use for blogs, books, everything that you can think of that I've adapted to other creative portions of my life. And the method is, it took me a long time to figure this out, I don't know why, but the first pass I do completely stream of consciousness. I don't care if there's mistakes in it. I don't care if it makes sense. I just try to get the ideas out and I want to say on paper, but in the computer. The second one is I pound it into shape. And now there are sentences and now there's, there's uh, paragraphs. And the third pass, this is a three pass system basically. Third pass is polishing. And this is where now it's really taking shape. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I may do a fourth pass. I may do a fifth pass. But I find that anything beyond that, it has to go to someone else. It has to go to an editor. Right. You've lost your uh, it, objectivity. Well, it, it just gets different. It doesn't get better. Now, ironically, I found when I started to do this in other aspects of my creative life, it worked there as well. And one of the problems that I had, and I think other people have, especially in writing, songwriting, uh, if it doesn't sound great right away, you go, oh, God, I suck. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? When the fact of the matter is, except for the few freakish individuals that are super talented, it doesn't work like, like that for anybody. Right. You, you work on this stuff. People are not born great songwriters. No. It's a, a, a learned craft. Yeah. So, you know, again, I found that you can't be afraid to work on things. Uh, yes, it may be different, but generally if it gets different, it gets better. I, I find myself, um, here, here's a great example. Um, Bria handles our email account, and she's she and I had a meeting months and months and months ago that I would set up a, a sequence of emails when people join the list. Um, and they're not selly emails. They're more to make people comfortable and, and they're informational. And I think I wanted to do five of them. And for the longest time, I just took it down about two weeks ago. But on that uh, painting on the wall over there was a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper that said, do the emails for Bria in so many mm -hmm. words. And I wrote, I think the first three or four of them and I've gone back now and re-edited re them several times. And they have gotten better. And now I'm at that point where they're just getting different, mm -hmm. not better. So I made up my mind that I will not touch them again no matter what. And I need to move on to the last two in the sequence because I've got to deliver this thing. It's months late. But the one thing that I do really love doing as a writer is realizing, even though I've got a well-crafted paragraph, it might be better is the third paragraph and not the 11th. Mm, yeah. And sometimes you really have to take a break and look at it. It's not unlike mixing, where you realize that the snare drum's not the most important thing in the yeah, song, yeah. even though you love the sound of that snare yeah. and you're so proud of it as an engineer. I find that as a writer. Sometimes I have a really beautifully crafted paragraph, does exactly what I want it to do, but it's in the wrong damn place in the whole context and I have to move it up. And once I get to that stage, then I try and leave it alone. Yeah. Um, let's talk about hashtags. Oh. I think that hashtags are uh, greatly misunderstood and greatly abused largely because of, uh, I, I can't blame this on millennials, but um, the kids today, uh, you know, oh, hashtag Workday. I mean, it's become part of a colloquialism that is no has taken away from what it, the true meaning is in the context of using hashtags. So let's pretend that you're talking to somebody that doesn't know what a hashtag is or what you're trying to accomplish with one. Well, going back to what I said before, where there's a difference between being online and using social media and actually using it for promotion. This is one particular case where hashtags were originally made as a finder, an easy way to find the information you want on Twitter first, and now it's in other platforms as well. And then it became something that was um, 
what's the one I'm looking for? It was something that, in some cases, was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it was uh, kind of sad. It became something other than a finder. Yeah, it's, it's almost shorthand yeah. of sorts. And that being said, it doesn't do you much good to use that. It might feel good, but if you want to use promotionally, uh, it's very important that you know how many hashtags you can use and get the right ones that work for your audience. This is the, you're now getting to the meat of what I'm looking for, yeah. so keep on going. So let's talk about how many first, because that's uh, a, something that's very misunderstood. What I'm quoting you here is from several studies, so it's not just me coming up with something. There, there's been lots of scientific studies on this stuff. For Twitter, two hashtags is the, the number. For Facebook, zero. Even though you can use them, people hate them when you put them in, in your post. For Instagram, the magic number is... I don't know. 11. Really? 11. Why, how did that happen? Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how. <laughs> is it happened. because of the age of the users? Like, I, I look at my 17-year-old daughter, and she's liable to use a bunch of them versus... It very My well maybe. I would use none. <laughs> it, it, it's also uh, the the newest platform among those, so it may be something where it was adapted right right off, where people are used to using a lot of them. But scientifically, that's what you should use. Now, which ones should you use? You have to go find the ones that work for you. And what I suggest is, if you know who you are, your audience is, then you start there. So, for instance, it would be. Um, Let's just say musicians. You want to talk to other musicians. You would say uh, hashtag musician, hashtag musicians. There are a number of sites that just look at hashtags. We'll do searches for you. And we'll, you'll put that in, and then it'll spit out a whole bunch of alternatives. Another way to do it is just put that into Twitter, do a search, and see what comes up, because sometimes you'll see other posts that will come up that will have other suggestions of hashtags that are very effective and things that you hadn't thought of. Give us an example. Let's take Taxi, the company. Um, and the reason I choose that example is the word taxi in and of itself was such a brilliant idea on my part when I started the company. Not so brilliant anymore because if you hashtag taxi, you're going to see some guy driving a cab. Um, Yes. So taxi music. Taxi music would be one way. But the other way I would look at it is, who is who's my market? Who mm -hmm. are they? And it's songwriters. Right. Right. Composers. So that would be two right off. I, I would look at song, hashtag songwriters, hashtag composers, and see what would come up. Hashtag instrumental, mm -hmm. hashtag uh, um, uh, scores, and just see what would come up and, and then make a list. And the list, you know, might be 20 that you come up with. So then what I would do is start to use those. Now, I do four every day. Again, there are four tweets that I do. There are scientific, when I say scientific, there are lots of studies. And, and it's, you know, Harvard has done it, and, and there are big schools that, that do this to try to find out who is actually using social media, why, and what's most effective. Okay, so one of the things is, how many times do you post? Well, on Twitter, twice a day is what people can handle. 
yes, if you're at an event and you're tweeting, you go to a concert, you can do a lot more. The problem is what people don't do is tell their followers, expect a whole bunch coming off here because that's what people hate when suddenly you have 11 tweets. Yeah, but if you're live person. tweeting at a concert, um, why do you have to tell people, I'm going to send you a whole bunch because you know what I mean? Well, if, if you're going to do a lot in a very short period of time, the best thing is you tell people what to expect. What happens if they miss the tweet with the big announcement? Yeah, well, that could be a problem. But again, that's why you can actually get away with two tweets a day. And what I do, for instance, is I'll do a tweet in the morning. I'll repeat the tweet in the afternoon. The same thing, different hashtags. So okay. hit different people and tweets have a very short lifetime their lifespan is 30 minutes and they're done yeah if that yeah i mean it's astonishing i'm not that active on twitter um i think i've got maybe 1500 followers and i follow 400 people and, and stuff just scrolls off the page so quickly yeah. that it's almost worthless to yeah me. So then the other thing would be, let's say you're doing face, Facebook. Facebook, you might, one a day is about right. You can do two, you can do you know more. But again, you have to tell people what to expect because you know if they're following you and they happen to be uh, you know, that 2% that are getting your, your posts, they want to know that uh, there's a reason why you're posting so much. Instagram is different. Instagram, not that much though. People only only want one or two a day. They don't want many. So how can uh, two things? I, I'm going to go back to Instagram because yeah. I want to spend more time in that. Yeah. Uh, let's take advantage of social media, and this was not a, a contrived thing, but uh, just something I had the idea for as we're sitting here. Um, I want Bobby to speak at the Road Rally this year. I want him to teach a class. And he's got such a wide range of topics that he covers in his now 24 books. Is 24, that, yes. Okay. Um, I want you guys to go to bobbyosinski.com, look at his website, look at the range of topics that he covers in those 24 books, and go to Taxi's Facebook page and tell us what you want him to talk about at the Road Rally. Perfect. I'm a social media no, giant. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, why guess when they can tell us what they want? So there you go. Which, by the way, that's also one of the most effective ways on, on any social media platform to get engagement is to ask questions, do yeah. polls. Questions work wonderfully. Yeah, because everybody's got an answer and opinion. Uh, yeah, it might be the one you don't want. but Right. At least you'll get. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about Instagram. Uh, it's a social media platform that I know practically nothing about. Um, I don't have the time to to do it. Um, and frankly, I cherish my quiet time because my life is is very busy. It sure. starts early and ends late. Um, how can, let's take a composer. How can a composer who composes instrumental music for reality TV primarily um, effectively use Instagram? Well, when you're doing something, for instance, you might take a screen cap 
Okay. Capture the screen of what you're doing, and you might, and it might be uh, if you're mixing and you have an interesting Pro Tools session up or Cubase, whatever it is, you take a screen cap, you might want to post that. Or your cat's dancing. Or your cat's dancing, right. Or, you know, a picture in your studio or uh, a selfie as you're, you're doing something. That being said, you know, there are limitations. There are some people that go crazy on, on Instagram and they'll post way too much. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to post much for it to be effective. And again, once a day, twice at the very most. So everybody can think of something. Well, I shouldn't say that because it gets harder and harder, you know, as you know. There's so many times, only so many times you can do the same thing. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, frankly, we don't use Instagram very much at all for taxi, and we talk about it. it we have social media meetings, and we talk about, yeah, we should use it more often. Um, I'm sure that Bria will post a, a shot of you and I um, doing the show today. Um, we could do shots, and we have of our screeners sitting at, at their workstations working. Beyond that, what all you know? Well, what you could do is when you hear of um, of a show that needs a potential placement, if they're good with that, would they be good with it? With the with the show? No, we can't. I I can't say you know music supervisor for X Y Z show um, because then people just Google. Oh yeah, the, okay, the, the right, music right. That would work. Yeah. Drive them crazy. Yeah. Um, we could uh, and see. Yes, we could talk about the type of music that's needed for a type of show, but how do you translate that into a graphic? That's always been the problem. I have to say that's something I struggle with every day on my blogs. Interesting. Because uh, every post is most effective if it has a graphic with it. Mm -hmm. uh, for 20 to 25% more engagement. So on every blog, I post something, and sometimes it's easy. And sometimes it isn't. It's like, what am I going to do? So I, out of that 45 minutes or an hour, it might be a half hour just on the graphic. I come up with something every day. I can't say it's great, but I come up with something every day. Um, I've got an idea for taxi. Um, Bria, take note of this one. We should have a thing that's like a, a, a roulette wheel or a spinning dial and we should go get some puppies or some kittens <laughs> and, and, and take the member songs and put them all around the dial and have the puppies or kittens determine which <laughs> song gets played next on Taxi TV. That would work. That would work. <laughs> Combining the best of all worlds because animals are cute. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> yeah, she didn't write it down. Uh, all right, you know what? Let's do a little q and I'm going to ask Bobby one more thing while you guys get your stuff up there. Um, and Bria, can you pick out some great questions and feed them to us? Um, so one more thing that I want to ask you about is YouTube. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm a fan of YouTube. Um, uh, do you know who Casey Neistat is? No, he's a YouTuber that I don't know, probably has like six or ten million followers. Yeah. He, he's not the biggest, but he's one of the best. He, he's a really great storyteller, and I I will literally watch his posts almost on a daily basis. Um, I I don't know how to be that good, as good as he is, or as good as the the great YouTubers are that have built these massive followings. Um, because I don't have that amount of time in the day. How can our musicians that are songwriters and artists and composers, do you have any suggestions on how they can use YouTube with limited time to, you know, obviously you can't, 
you can't do it every day. Yeah. Uh, for most people. Uh, however, there should be a schedule on when you're going to do it. You should do it on a regular basis. If it's once every two weeks, then just commit to doing it once every two weeks and having a video up there. But the whole secret of it is what good is putting a video up if nobody watches? Well, why don't they watch? Probably because they can't find you. So the very first thing is what's the best SEO, search engine optimization on this? So don't forget YouTube is the second biggest search engine on the planet. And owned by Google. And owned by Google. So that means that the algorithms that Google has perfected in the regular search world then translate over to YouTube, blah, blah, blah. So the big thing is the title, A number one. You have to title it something that's just, it's like we were talking about before, it's almost like on an email. Yeah. A subject line, an email. But the next thing that almost nobody does is the description. It's very powerful if, and it's difficult because most people don't want to put this amount of work in, but if you can write it no less than 100 words and preferably 300 in the description, naming everything there is about this video going on. First of all, links back to your website and your social media, and the links have to pay, have to say HTTP. You have to start with that. You can't just put uh, uh, bobbywosinski.com. It has to say HTTP forward slash, etc. It has to be the full URL to make it work for hmm. it to be active. That's good news or but, good information. But the next thing is you have to put everything there is to know in that description, including everybody that appeared in it, all musicians, all actors, who directed it, uh, if there's an outside director or producer, um, if there's a uh, music producer, everything there has, who played on the song, all that all stuff. All for search engine optimization? Absolutely. So that if somebody is searching, let's say you produced me, um, because I'm so vain, I would want it to be all about me, but I should include you in there because somebody might be searching for your latest work that's and discover me. That's exactly right. Okay. So what ends up happening is, uh, I would say 99% of the videos on there don't have enough information in the description. The third thing would be the tags, and they're incorrectly tagged. One of the best things, especially with music, is something that composers have to do anyway. Right. Is mood. Yeah. And this happens all the time. People will search for sad music, happy music. That will be their search on YouTube. So if you have that as part as one of your tags, guess what? They're going to find you. It's really simple, really easy, and it, most people overlook it. I, I've got to say. Um, I bought a, uh, what do you call it, an Alexa? Uh, oh, an Echo? Or, yeah, yeah, Amazon Echo yeah. for my dad, who is now just about 94 years old. And uh, I think I've maybe mentioned this before in the show, but nothing is funnier or more instructive than watching a very senior citizen use an Amazon Echo. So I got it for my dad because he loves, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra, the classic, the World War II era classics, the stuff he grew up with. Mm -hmm. And my mom passed away a couple of years ago, so he lives alone on his own in an apartment uh, in Chicago. And uh, so he asked me when I was there visiting last time if I would move uh, the Echo into the bathroom. And I said, why? And he said, because when I'm in there uh, shaving or whatever, you know, I like to listen to music. So I'm sitting in his living room one morning and I hear, uh, uh, Alexander, play Sinatra. 
Alex, uh, <laughs> Frank. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was classic. Yeah. But it was very instructive because he was spitting out keywords. He didn't realize it, but it was like a study because he's a senior citizen. He didn't grow up with this technology. He doesn't understand keywords, SEO, hashtags, yeah. none of this stuff. But just watching his simplistic way of trying to make this thing work was really uh, informative. Um, keywords are the key in, in social media. That, yeah. And not easy to find either. It's one of these things where one or two might be very intuitive and then the other ones are not. Yep. Keep a running list. I, I actually have running lists of subject lines. If I see somebody else that has a great subject line, I keep a running list of all the great subject lines I've seen. And when I'm stumped, I go look through there and go, okay, I can modify this to work for me. Yeah, yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Speaking of reinventing the wheel and all these things, you know, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to share it even with people you don't like because <laughs> it will benefit me and that's what it's all about and don't forget to like us we're very high tech around here but it does work um, we actually have some people in the chat room that will say I can't believe it we've got 150 people watching the show and only 62 people have liked it uh, do you have some questions yeah I do okay um, so Paul House asks uh, press kit what goes in that that's a great That's question. Paul House wants to know what goes in a press kit. And I'm assuming he's talking about electronic press kit because people don't use a lot of paper these days. Well, it, it's easy. The first thing is a bio. Bio is actually not your life's bio. It's the bio of, of <laughs> I'm your... I'm glad you said that. Bio of your project, you in music. Um, there's almost everybody has a story and everybody has something that's really interesting and you have to find what that is uh, and, and make sure that's in there because that's that's why people read so bios number one uh, really good pictures uh, links to videos links to music that's really important that, that's why you want them to do it um, links to websites links to social media so is there a hierarchy as to what is you know how do you determine what's the most important thing to put first because that's going to be the most read thing and then what goes second and what goes third well in a press kit it's usually the bio first because that's that's the press kit that, how many words uh is there a recommended length for a bio and do you start out with something shocking you know because you want to get their attention how do you build the bio some people will do two of them they'll do a short form one that's you know 150 words and then others and then the second one will be you know a lot longer we'll have everything of course if if there's a project all the information on the project that you're doing an album for instance uh who played on it uh producer director of the videos all those things it's always important because you just never know there, that might be the key for someone saying oh well okay yeah there's a social authority thing that's Bobby produced it. If, therefore, I should check it out. If uh, you're gigging, you might want to have gig facts, uh, upcoming gigs, or if you played significant gigs, you might want to put that in there. Um, if you regularly gig in there and there are sold out houses um, and people around the block, lines around the block, then you want to put that in. And you want to put um, things like uh, even pictures of that stuff. Uh, so not only uh, logos, 
are important. If you have a logo, you want high and low res logos. The same with the pictures, high and low res. So that's the, the basics. And contact information. And contact, contact especially, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. It's, you know, uh, for a while when we, uh, we waited far too long, uh, or actually we had three failed attempts at creating a new website. And about a year and a half ago, we finally launched the new website. And I can't remember if it was a vote by the staff or our designer. Somebody said, you shouldn't have the phone number up on every page. And I, I went with the consensus. And I hated myself for it. I couldn't live with it. So at some point, I added the phone number back to every page because why not? Yeah. It, it, people said, it looks so old school. And you've got an 800 number. That sounds like a scam. Really? I mean, admittedly, 800 numbers don't, toll-free numbers don't matter that much anymore because everything is basically toll-free yeah, yeah. through the cell phone. Um, a little-known fact, did you know that Taxi's 800 number used to belong to Snyder's pretzels? So for the first, <laughs> first year of the company, I was taking pretzel orders. I would, I would take orders on the phone and go, okay, thanks, we'll be there on Tuesday. <laughs> Get a commission? So, no, I'm so no, I didn't actually take real oh, orders. Okay. Took, and when people would call at four o'clock in the morning, drunk, you know, from a bar, I'd, yeah, the cat would be there in five minutes, and I hang up. I'm a jerk. Okay, next question, Bria. Um, what are the best website platforms to build my website? I'm an instrumental songwriter for film and TV. Great. Uh, I'm going to repeat it just because she's on the other side of the microphone. What are the best uh, website platforms for musicians? The best thing I can say is the easiest one for you. Um, there are lots of really great platforms that are varying in sophistication. And I, I'd always say if you have any kind of website smarts, HTML smarts, you do a WordPress site, only because the SEO is so much more powerful on that. I don't know why, but it is. Um, it's a steep learning curve that can be yeah. very effective once you learn it. Yes, exactly. Uh, that being said, there's lots of you know really good ones that are fairly easy. There's Weebly. There's uh, which I have one of my sites on on Weebly. Uh, it grew very large, and it's like this is a pain to move, so I'll keep it here, and it works fine. Um, uh, Squarespace is another good one. I mean, there's a bunch of them that that all are cut and paste, so to speak. They're fairly mm -hmm. easy to drag and do drop. Drag and drop. Yeah. So. Yeah, whichever you find the easiest, and you can get it up to your liking. You know, if you're going to do it yourself. Obviously, if you're going to have a website designer, they'll probably make a suggestion for you. But what I'd say is, if you get somebody to design a website, make sure that you know enough that you can change it as you need it and modify it as you go, because there's always new information. Right, you don't want to have to call a designer a change of font or a headline size or put in a new photo. Not only does it cost money, but what ends up happening is there's that time lag you know, and then what I find is and the reason why I learned how to do this myself is I just got so tired of somebody doing it and then having to call and say, "No, can you change it and do this and do this?" and then wait a week until they do it, and and this would go on and on and on, where I could have just done it in ten minutes. Um, we unfortunately have had to build a, a very custom website for taxi. Yeah, I bet. And that, that's always been the problem. We've got a designer that I work closely with. We really like each other and work really well together, but his availability controls my ability to change things yeah. on the website. Yeah. Um, next question, please. Okay. What information would you put on a business card? Should you include how to find your SoundCloud account or YouTube channel? 
Okay, the question was, what information should go on a business card? This is a great question. Mm -hmm. Do you include SoundCloud or what was the... Um, YouTube. Or YouTube. Well, for sure, your, your website and social media um, contact information should be there. Uh, if SoundCloud is really important to what you're doing, and it probably is if you're a songwriter, then yeah, I'd put that on there for sure. Uh, the problem is when you get really long URLs that are hard to read and, you know, hard to copy, mm -hmm. sometimes that, that's self-defeating. It's almost easier to tell someone to go to your website and see the links than, right. it, than it is to have a, you know, really long URL that's alphanumeric and, you know, way out there that, you know, someone stands a good chance of not getting right when they type it in. I, I see a... a I guess it's a phenomenon of sorts. Um, at, at the Taxi Road Rally every year, which is coming up November 1st through the 4th in Los Angeles, go to taxi.com slash rally to find out more. Um, people, We ask people to put music on CDs so that we can pull them out of a box um, and be very democratic in what gets played on the panels, the listening panels in the Grand Ballroom. Um, and a lot of musicians, it's a very social group of people with human interaction, actual human interaction. And people want to share music with the people that they meet or with industry people. They're, they went upstairs to brush their teeth. They're coming down the elevator and lo and behold, they're in the elevator with a panelist. Oh, would, can you let me hear what you're doing? Uh, so even though it's very old school and almost quaint to hand them a CD, if you hand them a thumb drive, it's probably going to end up having backups of photographs <laughs> on it. I mean, I've got yeah. 20 thumb drives sitting behind us that probably all started with music on them, and now it's family photos yeah, or yeah. documents for taxi. Um, business cards, as it relates to people being at the road rally or other musician functions, could be a NAMM show, could be whatever. Um, Here's my card, go listen to my music. I do not personally believe that most people, uh, that the vice president of Atlantic Records is gonna get back to his office on Monday after being at the road rally and go, I'm looking for a business card. Hold on, we've got a prop. There we go. Oh look, it's the Verizon lady, who was very helpful with my phone, by the way. Um, so, you know, is Atlantic Records boy gonna go back and go, Oh yeah, I should go listen to Bobby's music. Mm. Talk Ch about chances aren't great. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is an effective way? We're a little off. I'm a little off topic here, but what do you think is a, an effective way to get your music in the hands of people in a social setting like the Taxi Road Rally? I don't have a great answer that goes beyond a CD because there it is. Yeah. Although I don't have a CD player anymore because Apple took mine away. <laughs> I don't have one either. I, don't. <laughs> uh, I would say that, uh, you know, the other alternative is business card with a QR code. They still do work. I personally like QRs. Uh, I suggested to somebody who I won't mention by name recently in a meeting that that person, I won't even identify their gender, but I suggested to that person in the context of a book that they have a QR code for the referenced songs. Mm. And the response I got was, it's too much work. I, I don't think enough people know about them. And, and it is mm. true. About three years ago, two years ago, we put QR codes on some of the Taxi Road Rally stuff. 
and there was a lot of head scratching going on. Um, although I find it pretty damn easy. You launch an app and go, and it pops up the website. Yeah. So I get, you know, I, you're pretty technologically adept. So for you, it would feel comfortable for my dad. But even me, so I don't, much. I don't like to do it. I, I mean, I, I look at it and I think, eh, if I have to, I will. But yeah, I'd rather do something else. Really, if if I see a website URL that's easy, then I, that's what I'll do. I'll just you know immediately go to it right there. And if it's a really long URL, probably not. But if it's something that's really short to the point, that's a whole topic. I mean, I chose taxi because it was short and everybody knows the word. Yeah. Um, but frankly, now uh, the other URL I own, other domain name is taximusic.com, which is probably uh, definitely better for SEO purposes yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Um, a long one that my daughter came up with when she was probably 10 years old that I actually registered was getthispartystarted.com. Oh, I love it. So you can't forget that yeah. one and you can't really misspell it, yeah. but that's a, a great example of a long one that works. But if there's any room for you know, typographical errors or spelling errors, long ones don't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't do like I love Mississippi.com, although we all know the I thing. Okay, so don't forget, um, Bria, where do you want them to go? To Facebook to post what the, the topic? After they go to bobbyosinski.com, speaking of memorable web uh, sites, uh, go there, look at the range of books that Bobby has created over 10 years, 12 years. How long have you been writing books? 1999. Wow, okay. Uh, and pick a topic. We want to know. Um, so do you want them to post that on yeah, Facebook? Yeah, you can do it on Facebook, tweet us. Okay, so Facebook or Twitter, um, and tell us the topic that you would like him to speak about at the rally, and we will get that to him and give him a class slot and have him do it. And meanwhile, I want to give away a book. Uh, so you can give away two. Okay. This one. So and here's the new one: the Music Business Advice Book. Wow. I, I, I should say this isn't my advice, by the way. This Whose advice is it then? It, it, 130 different. <laughs> music celebrities and it's the people that have been on my podcast ah. I ask them the same question at the end every time it's what's the best piece of business advice that you've learned or someone imparted to you and that's exactly what's in here so it's not me it's it's you know some really smart people people smarter than I, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I can't talk about that anyway uh, all right, so let's give this one away for starters because it was the basis for what we talked about on the show today. So well, look at you guys already typing in your plus ones. You guys are cheaters. Calm down, you guys. Um, all right, so one, two, well, I, for instruction for people who aren't regulars here. We're going to do plus one and then uh, I'm going to shut my eyes. Oh, can you do it or on your phone? Okay. Um, Bria will run her finger up and down the list and pick somebody and we will send you this autographed copy, which will be autographed to you personally, momentarily. Uh, one, two, three, go.
Take your time, Bria. Don't pick one too quickly. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, who was it? Steven Spinner. Steven Spinner. Congratulations. You have won an autographed copy of Bobby Osinski's book, Social Media Promotion for Musicians. Congratulations. And now let's give one of the other ones away. The Music Business Advice Book. And here we go. My wife watched an episode of Taxi TV and she said, you bob your head a lot to the music, honey. I said, yeah, I know, I'm kind of famous for that. So she suggested a Taxi TV bobblehead. Oh yeah, there's the microphone. And that one was what? Six string solution? Yeah. All right, congratulations. So both of you need to email taxitv at taxi.com and Bria will then package up these books. And oh, you know what? Um, can you tell us your real names now so that Bobby can say, you know, to George inside the book? Yeah, I think book. we have Steven Spinner. Is, oh, that's Jeff pretty obvious. Yeah. And Six String Solution, what is your real name? Or you can email that to taxitv at taxi.com if well, you don't want to say it right now. Well, but they need to do it quickly because Bobby needs to yeah. sign it. All right, with that, um, thank you all for watching. And Bobby, thank you. This was fun. Thank it, you, Michael. Uh, I enjoyed it. flew by yeah. rather quickly. And uh, thank God the Quaaludes wore off. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I, actually, I got to say, our sponsor, Rockstar, saved the day today. <laughs> Put the brain back in brain dead. Um, we will see you guys next week for another super exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye, you guys.